Welcome to Movie Reviews and Some Serious Nonsense, a podcast from the alternate universe with your hosts, Greg Dyro and Tom Burka. We're here to talk about Obi-Wan Kenobi. Imagine uh, if David Mamet had written an episode of Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Kenobi. Obi-Wan would say, no, nope, I'm not f***ing doing anything for that girl. <laughs> I gotta yeah, get my, it's true. I get, I'll have to get my bleeper out. Bleep, bleep. <laughs> I also discovered, by the way, when I went to watch the show that for some reason, Disney suddenly informed me that I was only allowed to watch TV, what is it, Y14 shows and and cleaner. I had to I had to edit my parental preferences. They have a disclaimer in front of one of them that's a, a yes, violent. Yes, that, that's what I wanted to talk about first. Is that the disclaimer was that there are scenes that are going to be disturbing to young viewers, and it was funny because there was a tension between showing things that were kind of brutal. Well, first off, let's just say this is a not a spoiler-free podcast. We're going yes. to talk about everything that happened. So if you haven't seen Obi-Wan and you would like to, without having complete knowledge of everything that happens in it, at least up to the fifth episode, don't listen to this. Yes, stop Turn now. it off and, yes, go and watch the five episodes right now and then come back. So, but having said that, there's a scene where Obi-Wan is basically set on fire, and I found that kind of disturbing, a disturbing image. But at the same time, Obi-Wan would take his lightsaber and he would swing it at stormtroopers, and they just fell down like they'd just been knocked in the head with a lead pipe. Nobody got sliced open. Uh, I was just very disappointed, although there was a hand that was cut off in the first episode i believe right oh well there was there was a hand the hand cut off yes that i think reva reva did or whatever reva reva mcintyre yeah. and in the third episode when the stormtrooper fell through the plasma fence or whatever that was pretty cool yes and then he's he was sliced in half and that's why i don't understand yeah. if they're going to show a stormtrooper sliced in half by a laser why can't we see obi-wan slicing these guys up right I, and left i mean after all they're there's a war on. They're evil. But I think there's a there's a Star Wars trope that the stormtroopers shoot badly and they fall down and die easily. So they're just maintaining <laughs> that trope of when they shoot, they don't hit and it's they true. get knocked and, over and easily. I think it's worth saying this is not a new thing. In Westerns, it was amazing how... John Wayne would always shoot these guys right in the head and they'd fall off their horses and they'd shoot back like 80 bullets and he'd be (laughs) unscathed. Although I can think of at least one movie where he got shot in the arm. But other than that, um, I think that's I think that's essentially what's going on here. And I I think it's a wink, a wink, wink, nod to the stormtrooper kind of they're easily defeated in, in some respects. And, no, and uh, I can see that Disney also didn't want like a David Cronenberg level of violence in this, which, yeah. which makes sense. I mean, Star Wars should be family viewing. Mm. It's attracted from the very beginning a very youthful audience. 
and and it should still be kind of a a fable. And so I think that's I, okay. Yeah, I think that they've maintained that with this. So kind of kind of backing up a little bit. We've seen the first five episodes. We'll we'll lay that right. out. Everybody. Exactly. We have not seen the the final episode yet because it has not aired. But I will say we see a downtrodden Obi-Wan Kenobi when it starts. Uh, All this makes sense. They fit this into, I, I mean, I think one of the principal things we need to discuss here is how well this show fits into the Star Wars world and is consistent with it. And this takes place after episode three, but before episode four. It's that simple. So Obi-Wan... And actually, there's kind of a lengthy previously at the very beginning of the first episode with lots of clips from the movies. Mm-hmm. And so they show that Went Obi-Wan has, yeah, Obi-Wan has met with Anakin. Anakin was his Padawan. Things didn't go well. Anakin became really annoying and hostile. And eventually they had to have a fight on top of a lava field. And I believe... Anakin lost vital parts of his body, but it was pretty clear that he was still alive at the end of the episode three, in part, I think, because we know that he's in episode four. At that point, it's that Obi-Wan cannot, could not, cannot kill Anakin. He could not bring himself to kill Anakin, which is why he was left alive. Obviously, he's going to turn into Darth Vader at that point, but I think really what it showed, he can't he can't do it. He couldn't do it. Now, um, I just want to say as a disclaimer in terms of my remembering episode three and how it ends, I was not a fan of the first three movies, meaning the uh-huh. first three movies in the sequence, not right. in terms of their shooting. Uh, I just thought that they were particularly bad and very disappointing in terms of the acting was uniformly wooden. And I have to say, I think that goes to bad directing since Natalie Portman is obviously capable of giving a terrific performance if she's allowed to, but I don't think she was. Hayden Christensen, what did you think of his performance in those movies? Well, I was... I don't have as much I don't have a strong as strong an opinion on the movies as you do. I'm okay with the movies, a little less so for the first movie, because I do agree that Jar Jar kind of distracted a bit from the film. I, I understand the comedic desire and the children desire that, that that George was going for. So I thought it was a little, but I was I was in, in complete awe with the entire pod race. I thought the pod racing the pod know, race really, was really well. I think the very best sequence in the first yes. movie. And, and to jump ahead, they tried to kind of do that racing theme in Han Solo, the Han Solo movie. And it was, I thought, another disaster. But within the pod racing, I think George was able to instill his love of racing, i.e. road racing, which is what he did as yeah. a youth, and, and drag racing and stuff. And it really brought to American graffiti. Yeah. Yes, it really worked. Uh, Because he worked with one of the Shelby Cobra drivers, George did as a mechanic and stuff when he was younger. So he totally was into auto racing. And and it shows in that. It just, 
it fell flat in Solo, in the Han Solo version. Right. I mean, I only saw these movies once, and many people feel that of those three movies, that the best is the third one, which completes the transformation of Anakin into Darth Vader. And my feeling was that Hayden Christensen just couldn't carry that in a way which made it very believable to me, unfortunately. And that's why I had a problem with the movie and with the acting in it and some of the writing. But in any case, we have the factual setup. We know that Leia is born in the third movie. And just before mom dies, I, I just want to say, by the way, in the first episode, I thought it was a terrible mistake to kill off two of the best characters in the movie so that they wouldn't appear again. I'm talking about Liam Neeson and right. the fantastic uh, Darth Maul. I, I just, he was just great, and I wanted to see more of him. And I don't think he's coming back. So having said that, so now we get to the first episode of Obi-Wan. Right. We we know the setup. And Obi-Wan, well, the Jedis are being hunted and they're all in hiding. Obi-Wan is no exception, except that he's hiding on Tatooine because he wants to keep an eye on young Luke Skywalker. And I, I liked all that. I mean, I liked the guy they hired to play the dad, Owen, the farmer. He looked right for the part, and I, I've mm-hmm. seen him in other things. He's very good. And it was totally believable to me that Obi-Wan had gone into hiding, had buried his lightsaber in the middle of the desert. I had certain problems with believability, which probably probably plagued me more than it plagued many, many people. What part was the unbelievability to you? Well, first of all, he was able to find his lightsaber in the middle of the desert without any system. I attribute that to to a Jedi. It's like Jedi. You know, oh, there you go. He can magically know where his lightsaber. Okay, that's fine. But when he, he digs down, finds the box with the lightsaber in it, opens it up, and the lightsaber is lovingly wrapped in a piece of cloth, which looks like it had just been produced 30 seconds before. Brand new. <laughs> and the thing is, is <clears throat> I know in Star Wars, they've learned that it really helps to have something look worn. I mean, they show that all the time. Spaceships mm-hmm. that have been used. The Millennium Falcon looked like it had been through a lot of stuff when we first saw it, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. So I, I kind of fault the lack of attention to detail here. But principally, and I, look, I, I don't love Obi-Wan, the series. There were parts of it that really got me going, that I really, really enjoyed. But overall, I felt like the writing was a little bit lazy and that we were seeing, to some degree, the exact same story we'd seen in The Mandalorian, which is our hero has to protect a young, fragile person or infant. I mean, Leia's a little bit older than that. And that leads them, like every episode ends with them fleeing to another planet or having a new destination mm. that just kind of crops up out of nowhere. And I mean, I, it's it's not a bad storytelling device. I just feel like I've seen it before. Right. 
What were your thoughts? Did you have I, any I, problems with any of this? Or No, I didn't have any problems with that because it felt very Star Wars to me. I go back to the tropes of the... It felt very, very much along those lines. I did at first have issues with... Okay, they've introduced Leia. That Leia suddenly now knows Obi-Wan Kenobi. And Obi-Wan his like rescuing her and then so how does that relate to the later films where granted she she knows who he is she does know who he is in the later films and right she she does say you gets very formal in the hologram general kenobi you assisted my dad in the Clone Wars. She got very formal there so I'm like okay I I get it it's like yeah no I I mean Given the history that they're creating now, she wouldn't have made that hologram message with the that same, same formality. But then, yeah. and then, then I also thought, oh, it's like she knows a lot more, and what does she know later on? But then I start seeing stuff. I, I actually watched the beginning of the first Star Wars, which is Episode Four, and there's a point where. Uh, C-3PO says to R2-D2 right as they're being captured he says well the princess won't get rescued this time I'm paraphrasing a little bit but he basically says she's not going to get rescued this time and I'm thinking oh wait a minute that's that yeah he actually says that there's oh no he says there's no rescue for the princess this time so it's like oh well they're that's convenient yeah, it actually so so I think that they must have seen all that stuff. Obviously they did because they're the Star Wars group. But they said, okay, we've got a line here that C3PO is saying that there's no rescue for the princess this time. It's like, okay, implying that she's been rescued before. So Well, and and I mean this reminds me of the fact that when George Lucas wrote Star Wars, he first wrote the Star Wars story and it really it comprised much more than what we saw in those three episodes yes. that were originally made. There was a lot of history that he wrote and a lot of stuff that came afterwards that he wrote. And I, I don't know whether it was in discussions with movie executives or whatever, but they pared it down to this one chapter. And that's, that is why he called it episode four, because right. it really came in the middle of the narrative that he'd written originally so mm-hmm. i mean uh, that makes sense maybe he thought about leia being rescued earlier and had already written about that i i, uh, I think I'm, so because otherwise why yeah. would they have said there's no rescue for the princess this time or whatever so anyway, they have to so be I very careful nice. here though they yeah. they do have to be careful because obviously leia like her brother is force sensitive yes to say the very least but she can never really develop her powers in this series because that would totally conflict with yes. the later movies. Yeah. yeah, and she can't know. She can, she can do stuff, but she can't know that that's what she's doing. And I think that that's what they're implying because she can kind of see into people uh, when she talks to her cousin at the party. And She I also seemed to be she... able to resist the third sister's attempts yes. to delve into her mind. And, and get more information, which yes. is pretty remarkable. 
third sister knew that she was force sensitive in that moment. And by the way, I just wanted to commend the acting of the lovely Moses Ingram uh-huh. played third sister. She's been really good as a former Jedi who has been turned evil and serving Darth Vader, but has a very specific agenda of why she wants to find Obi-Wan Kenobi, which isn't really revealed until the fifth episode. Right. What, why that exactly is. And I I was very surprised by it. I mean, I thought that was a good surprise. I thought that it was Mm -hmm. well done because I never suspected it happening. No, no, it was very good. And one thing I will say as we're talking about that, as we jump forward a little bit, we're, we're really talking about, I think, all five of these episodes as one piece rather than individual episodes. Yeah, They really are one piece. But I will say the first encounter that you had mentioned briefly where Obi-Wan gets dragged into the fire and is being burned, he's being burned by Darth Vader, and it's his first encounter with Darth Vader, and he's being subjugated by Darth, by Anakin, basically. And then everybody's... But, but he says in episode four... In our last encounter, you were the master and I was the student or whatever, whatever he calls in. And now I am the master. They were like, well, how do they yeah. deal with that? And I thought by episode five, they had begun to deal with it. And in I could you could see it in Anakin's mind at that point that he was still the Padawan, even though he's Darth Vader. His master had, had outmaneuvered him. And I was pleased. Interesting. That they, they, did you did you not get that? That to me, that was like, oh my god! It's like he stood there when Obi Wan escaped, and he was dejected because because they kept cutting back to the laser practice laser battle. Yes, uh, yes. Anakin the, the, and they they were flashing back to Episode Two, basically, uh, which is right. The and of the Hayden, Hayden Christensen, Anakin was the Padawan being trained by obi-wan and so he was being trained how to fight with a lightsaber right and he was too impetuous and too intent upon winning and i i like the fact that in that scene that flashback scene which we we flash back to so we see little slices of it throughout Mm -hmm. all the episodes and then we finally see how it ends which is that obi-wan even having been completely disarmed is still able to beat Anakin at this lightsaber match in in a way, which I I thought was totally believable. That was actually one of my favorite, strangely, it's a scene that's broken up into like seven pieces or something, but I I thought it was a great scene and very enjoyable. And I have to say, I don't know what Hayden Christensen has been doing since episode three, He's clearly older, and clearly they brought him back to play mm-hmm. Anakin in those flashback scenes, and he's quite good in them. Yes. I think that maturity and age has actually deepened his ability to perform on camera in mm-hmm. a, a really great way. It was a total echo of what was transpiring in the present time and the flashback and the fact that Obi-Wan was still the master. He was still the teacher. Uh, and by the way, yeah, no, Obi-Wan, absolutely. And at the end of episode five, he's still best Darth Vader. 
Yes. And as Darth Vader says to third sister, he was wise to use you against me. I have to say nothing was more thrilling to me though, that James Earl Jones is still doing the voice of Darth Vader (laughs) today. I mentioned that to somebody and they said, I thought he was dead. And I said, well, he's doing a fantastic job from the grave. It would be very hard to imagine anybody else being able to do that voice. I'm really happy that they had that. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's good. It's an iconic voice. It will get imitated. There will come a point when someone's going to have to do Darth Vader because James Earl Jones will be gone. It's a little bit like uh, Kermit the Frog. And Kermit doesn't quite sound like the original Kermit. People imitate him, but... He's not quite, he's not quite Kermit. And I think eventually that will happen with, with Obi-Wan. Right. Well, many, many years ago, I got a note from my then agent saying, can you do Donald Duck? (laughs) Because they were, they were looking for the new voice of Donald Duck. And I am sitting in my office trying to do Donald Duck. And after about, Mm -hmm. oh, I don't know, maybe six seconds. I was like, no, 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 I can't. Somebody who's exceptionally talented in this area would be able to do it. And that was not me. We all, but they'll we have all to try. With, with we all try. We to all do, try to do Donald try. Duck. I, see, I can't even begin to try to do Donald Duck. Oh, you're. Oh, that's great. See, I can't. Do, I can't do that. But I. I, I yeah. But anyway, so I. I, you, I you, you perfectly captured the tone of the always angry Donald. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, I appreciate that. Yeah, you're welcome. I would, and actually, I was incredibly surprised by Jimmy Smith's speaking of voices, mm-hmm. playing Bale Organa, right? With the with the completely without his inflection and normal voice, sounding British and very elevated. Uh, and actually giving a really terrific grounded performance as, as Bail Organa. And, and I, 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 I have to say, from an acting point of view, this is not easy stuff to do. I think a lot of people would think that appearing in Star Wars wouldn't be as challenging as doing some other stuff, but because it's it's actually very stylized. It's a very specific world. Yeah. Rupert Friend, who plays the chief inquisitor, the grand inquisitor, uh, he was in Homeland playing an American spy, and he was terrific in that. And boy, is he a million percent different as the Grand Inquisitor, but he doesn't come off as trying to put on a voice or phony. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, let's move on to the story, shall we? Yeah, jumping back to the story. Well, we were talking about Bale Organa. I really liked his interaction with Leah, with the young Leah where mom was kind of the, uh, you got to follow these. And even mom was fine. But I, I liked the fact that he, he would lean into her and they they were in their own kind of thing, counting the, yes. the, the spaceships leaving, the whole. I really liked that, that, that he, we're getting the sense that he helped shape Leah's personality uh, and did not allow his, his daughter to be, anything lesser than than the the princess or the senator and he implied that you're going to be a senator type thing uh, you're not just a princess i like that i, right. I, I he, thought that he was he knows very, that you know, she's she's incredibly smart mischievous 
marches to the beat of her own drummer, self-reliant. And it's so funny, in that one scene, all of that comes through. It really does. Mm -hmm. I, I, I agree with you that that was very nicely written, very nicely acted. It really served the story. And I imagine, I don't know where they found this young actress to be Leia, but I think they found, I'm sure that they probably jumped for joy when they found her because she- No, she's great. She's really great for that role. And uh, speaking, of, speaking of which, what about, uh, I, hope I, I hope I pronounce his name right. Is it Dil Najani? Oh, 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 yes, yes. <laughs> He's great. Yeah, it was actually quite a pleasure to discover him. Hajay is this. his character name or whatever, Hajay. I loved him. Yeah. He's, again, again, there's the, this, the Star Wars trope of the slightly questionable character. Maybe it's a little comic relief. Maybe it's a little... The whole Jedi mind trick. I've got my magnets going. He he was he was a great character, and I like that he showed back up a few episodes later. Yeah, I was hoping about that in the same way that I I wanted Bill Bird to show up again in the Mandalorian, and he did. Although I just I totally accepted this. It, it never bothered me at all. But of course, you have a guy in the Star Wars universe who talks with a Boston accent. Uh, <laughs> It didn't bother me. It goes from English accents to they're all over the place. So I, I kind of I'm okay with that. No, there's there's room for that, and and like you say, there's a trope. We completely accept seeing people with whatever accent they bring into it. It, it works because it's kind of like look, it's a big universe. People come from all over. Yeah, some of them talk like they came from Boston. I, I really have no problem with it. I liked, uh, as speaking of that, speaking of character actors, I really liked, uh, what was the guy driving the truck, Freck or whatever, I think? Oh, that guy was terrific. Was, and I don't awesome. know. I don't know who that was. You know, Zach, I mean, Zach Braff or something. I don't know who Zach Braff is. Oh, wait is. a second. Zach Braff? That's what That's, it said. Zach uh, Braff. Zach Braff from Scrubs. Yes. Yeah. No, I Freck, didn't that, recognize his voice. Do we have the voice. right character? Yeah. Do we have the right character? Freck is the... Oh, for sure. Sure. That's the, the driving guy, right? The, the driving Yeah, the exactly. Truck. That's the truck driver who um, pick picks them up in the middle of, of, of the desert when they are waiting for their contact, who Obi-Wan is very, very paranoid and sure that, that nobody's coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so... And I, I like that element that there is a an underground network trying to smuggle Jedi's and other other force sensitive families to safety. And this this was a problem that I had with the episode where Darth Vader first appears and walks through the village that Obi Wan is being uh -huh. Obi Wan and Leia are being kept safe in before they're smuggled off of the planet. As he walks through the street, he just kind of randomly pulls people using the force up into the air and breaks their necks, whether right, it's right. children or whatever. And I thought, that's not the Darth Vader that I know. I mean, Darth, the Darth Vader that I know uses the force when it serves 
his mission. Uh, I think they're trying to show early Darth Vader, early... I think he gets tempered by the time of episode four. Uh, I mean, and when it, he's and with... it, yeah, he's a much more mature Darth Vader. And also, I think, though, that maybe, I mean, he, he knows the Force, and uh, maybe these were Force-sensitive people that he was just killing while he was walking through the village. I, think he, was just being, I think he was just being an asshole. Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> just a just a terrorist yeah i think um, so because you're right they're they're portraying him a bit more ruthless than i think that we came to see later but i think later literally he is i think everybody's gone at that point it's like the maybe the grand inquisitors are even gone the whole because what's his name moth tarkin or the 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 head guy says something about you're you're the last of your your religion or the last of your type talking to Darth Vader on board the Death Star. And and the other one that he, that that he says has so little face when he says, you've clinging to your sad religion or something like that. My implication is that between this time and that time that, that they've eliminated the vast majority of all these force sensitive. So they're not really there anymore or they're all in hiding. So it's not common knowledge That's because right. when they encounter Han Solo, Han Solo is like, is unaware per se of, of, of not unaware of the force, but he thinks it's a hokey religion or a hokey mumbo jumbo. So he hasn't really encountered it actually being used. It's just like a, a mystical thing that he hears about. So he discounts it. So I think they're leading up that, to those yes. kind of things. So I thought that and that that aspect was good. And I and I I liked uh, Leah being the feisty child, but knowing what's going on. And and Obi Wan at that point trusts and understands that. And when she offers to climb up into the 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 ventilation or whatever the uh, the wiring the ducts to kind of help whatever, get them out, yeah. yeah. And, and yeah, I liked like that. Just- just letter. Yeah, I like that too. I might add, by the way, that I've mispronounced Mr. Nanjiani's name. It's Kamel Nanjiani. And the actor who played Owen, Luke's uncle, I believe, uh, the farmer on right. Tatooine, was Joel Edgerton, who is just a, a magnificent actor. And uh, he's headlining all kinds of stuff. And he was in The Great Gatsby. He's, he's really just terrific. And the reason I mention all of this is because one of the great things about these series is that they're able to attract incredible talent for even small roles. I'm not sure that we're, well, I guess we probably will be seeing Owen again because at the end of the fifth episode, there was a suggestion that, that, well, of course, now we know Leah's Leah's brother is on Tatooine. And that's what Obi-Wan was trying to protect to begin with. And yeah. By the way, though, I have to say, okay, third sister is lying there. She's just had a lightsaber plunged through her chest or her abdomen. (laughs) And all right. So all the guys go, they leave her there to die. And I could just tell she's not going to die at all. She's the one who discovers that Luke is on Tatooine and that, this is another way to get to Obi-Wan. 
and and I suppose Darth Vader. My goodness, I, I there's there's a lot of suspension of disbelief that I think is good because look, we all wanted to see this series. We didn't want to say yeah, but I mean Leia doesn't really seem to know Obi Wan and the original movies and stuff like that. Yeah, but we're willing to discount that or come up with a theory to explain it just because. We want to enjoy seeing more of these characters and more right. of this world. But having said that, come on, man. Third sister got killed. I mean, she, <laughs> she had a lightsaber plunge through her body. I mean, there's just no way that she could survive this. It just doesn't make any sense. But apparently she was able to just sit up and pick up this little. That, remember, this is a, I have another issue with the scene, but, but. Apparently the lightsabers cauterize the wound. So once you're stabbed, it's all sealed up and you're good. You just got a big hole in you. Uh, <laughs> unless you had a vital organ, you're you're still okay. Uh-huh. So my issue really was, okay, here's the Jedi's smashed uh, communication device. Hello? Where's the thumbprint? Where's the retina scan? How the hell does she open it up? Doesn't the Jedi have like basic my four-digit passcode to get in. She just turns it on and it runs. Well, I I think what you're discounting is the fact that in the future, there's no such thing as privacy. Ah, that's what... Which I think we've all embraced now. Although I do understand that Apple and Google and and Microsoft are actually trying to come up with a... uh, a new framework that doesn't use passwords to secure things. And, but I also think that the fact is, is that there are always people who know how to get around locks, lock picks, passwords, all of that stuff. That's true. But she, she doesn't employ any of those measures. (laughs) She doesn't pull the keyboard out and, and type out a bunch of stuff in, in code to get in there. She just touches it and it turns on. So maybe it only turns on. Maybe it only turns on for Jedi type things. Well, uh, you know, maybe or or remember, it had been kind of smashed up. Maybe it was just defective. Ah, but when I smash my iPhone, it still wants my my (laughs) fingerprint or my passcode, even though the screen's cracked. Apple did not make that device, dude. Obviously not. Just it wasn't walled off. It's an it's an Android. It's an Android Jedi device. So, yeah. <laughs> oh my but, goodness! Well, um, I I will say there was a there were some other discussions, and you, you can key on in on this. Is like, do uh, Jedi all just dress in tattered robes? That's the you, you talked about it earlier, or whatever. That they like, they're all like in robes, and, and yeah. a couple people were like, "Oh, can't you tell that's a Jedi?" But it's like everybody seems to be it. It's in tattered robes. And then I read another thing that said, well, that's because the Jedi have, they're kind of like a monk and they've, they've, there's not poverty, but this simple and basic. So yes, it would make sense that they would dress just in, just in a common robe and a common wrap and not, and not have the material. Well, right. I mean, I think it calls to mind the monks who decry material possessions and that kind of thing and just their order is all about the force and it kind of brings it into alignment with some of those Mm -hmm. 
very well established religions on earth. But here, here's something now that you mention it. Okay. So Obi-Wan is now being pursued internationally or universally or whatever. And his picture he knows has been disseminated so that people can (laughs) find him. Correct. Right. Right. So what does he do? Nothing. He doesn't do a damn thing. He doesn't try to change his appearance in any way. He puts the when 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 they're in the back of that truck and the stormtroopers are coming by, all he does is put his hood up and kind of like pull it forward. Well, dude, I'm sorry. Everybody can see your face. Why don't you shave your beard? Why don't you dye your hair? Why don't you cut your nose? I mean, do something. Um, I, I am not. I, I, I am not I, the Jedi you're looking for. I am not the Jedi yeah. you're looking for. I am Mark Zuckerberg. I'm pulling my hoodie up. <laughs> I, 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 and again, look, I'm, I'm, I was willing to suspend my disbelief at the time. I was like, come on, why did he just shave? But then he wouldn't look like Obi Wan anymore. So we want to see Obi Wan. We don't want to see Obi Wan wearing some kind of weird disguise. Well, this goes. Um, this goes right to the their escape in, I think, episode four from the Darth Vader's, uh, or not Darth Vader, but the Inquisitor's ocean lair. <laughs> and he's just got Leia underneath the big trench coat. <laughs> oh, my God. I couldn't I'm believe like, that. I'm like, I'm, 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 yeah. I'm flashing back. I'm flashing back to... Uh, uh, to to the uh, the Pink Panther and Inspector Clouseau in a big trench coat. <laughs> Yeah, no, or 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 three or three dwarves. I don't know what what I'm thinking of. Who wear? Oh well, in 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 Snow White. Yes, right. And during the party, three of the dwarves get on top of each other to wear a trench coat so that they can dance with Snow White. Right. (laughs) That's what I thought of because Uh it looked as believable as that. I mean, it was Uh it was, and they're just walking through like. Tons of stormtroopers who are all supposedly aimed at stopping somebody from escaping, and they just walked right through it. It wasn't a problem. And again, the reason that we accept these things is just because we 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 want to see them escape, and we're uh-huh. willing to accept these slight. I mean, basically, look the the disguise, however poor. Uh, of wearing the trench coat, we're willing to accept. Yep. Manage to get him out. I would have. Uh, it would have been. It would have been fun if there had been a point right before that where it's like this. This is not going to work. Type thing. And, and and what's her name? The Talia or whatever. It would have been nice if she had turned to him and said, "Just go with it. Just go with it." <laughs> where Obi Wan's like, I, "This is not going to work. Just go with it." Yeah. I, I have to say, I wouldn't be surprised if in an early draft of that script that was in there and they uh-huh. said, look, we've got to keep the action moving here and and not turn it into a comedy because that would have been hilarious. But no. Right. Now, I, I'm seeing on the Internet some people are talking about the episodes saying that they felt that episode five made made it worth getting through some of the other episodes that weren't quite as good. And I mean, that's assuming that you didn't that you had problems or felt like some of the episodes were weak, which which I, I accept. I mean, they 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 were a varying consistency, I mean, in, in terms of quality. 
but I did really like the fifth episode a great deal. It really grabbed me. I no, was, was very, good, very drawn into it. It was a good episode, and I'm almost like it felt like an ultimate confrontation with Darth Vader. So now I'm like, now I'm wondering if this if they're going to have another confrontation with Darth or or not. I, I wonder how they're going to end it. How is it? Because we don't, we no longer. I don't think we see. Oh, we have to look at the animated and all those other people. I'm not sure if we see third sister in any of the other iterations of the Star Wars universe, which they seem to be all all canon between the animation, the animated stuff to the to the comic drawings. Mm-hmm. They, they seem to like try to tie them all together and they don't let them go off on their own. I kind of want to watch the bad bunch, by the way. Because I, I hear it's good, and it looks like it's, it's about a bunch of clones who... The Bad Batch, excuse me. I'm thinking right. of the Wild Bunch. Yeah, the Bad Batch. I, I, it just is an intriguing idea to me. And the animation style looks really good. But mm-hmm. I haven't seen any of the animated versions of the Star Wars universe. And, and they do do a, a good job of trying to bring in characters that only appeared in those animated shows. Right. Well, I, they brought, Ka- they brought that kind of- yeah, Katie Sackhoff's character within the Mandalorian was, was an animated yes. character That's that, right. she, that she voiced, she voiced in the animated version and she became the real version, which I think was very interesting. I, so. I thought that was great. I mean, I hadn't really seen her do anything since Battlestar Galactica. I, uh-huh. And I know she's done a bunch of stuff. I just, Never, never ran into her in my meanderings through the television universe. But one thing I do want to say is remember, so the ship is taking off in episode five. Darth Vader gets there and uses the force to try and bring it it to the ground. Yeah. And interestingly enough, we've only seen that kind of power once before. And I believe it was in episode nine um, where Ray develops uh-huh. these powers and and uh, kylo ren i believe is using his power to try and stop a spaceship from taking off or bringing it back and uh, so this isn't the first time they've done that but it still showed how powerful darth vader is right and also that the at least at this point in his development he's not he's he's got limits to his power Mm-hmm. You know, he couldn't quite bring it off. And I think that's where Which, they, they, they keep they yeah. keep they keep alluding to the now, like I said earlier, that I'm I'm happy they've done. They keep alluding to the fact that that Obi-Wan is truly the master and is the better Anakin may have much greater force capabilities. He's much stronger, but he is no way the equal of of Obi Wan as far as his his understanding and control of the Force and the control of a situation. I think right. Obi Wan has been in hiding for ten years. He's kind of out of shape, force force wise. Right, right. Which when Darth Vader first shows up, he kind of uh, bests the years him for have sure. made you weak. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Yeah. So and he doesn't uh, want to kill. He doesn't want to kill his former master. Obviously, he walks away from him and says they want to take him or whatever. But 
I get it. There's, well, there's, I, I get it. That's because he wanted him to die a, a slow, painful death. Yes. Or to suffer this same kind of things that he went through at the end yep. of episode three when he was sliding into the lava, which probably hurt, is my guess. Probably <laughs> hurt a lot. Yeah. Probably. Yes. But at the same time, when Third Sister has Obi-Wan there in episode five, flanked by two stormtroopers and surrounded by something like a hundred stormtroopers and she's having her conversation with him. Then she says, take him inside, which would and just leaves these two stormtroopers to take him inside, <laughs> which very, very predictably he overpowers them. And look, I know she had made a decision to allow that to happen specifically. Right. But at the same time, I was kind of surprised. No, none of the other stormtroopers went, what? He's right here. Let's just keep him here until Darth Vader shows up. Like, what What are you doing? Why are you taking him inside? Hello. We just we just went through this big battle. Get him. Are you, it, just, it just didn't. In fact, it confused me so much because I started watching it on one device and then wow. if, was moving to a different device. And somehow I, I missed the moment that he broke free. So I had last seen him being taken inside by these two stormtroopers. And then the next moment I'm seeing him talking to Leia died. And I was like, wait, what, what happened? He, he was in custody. <laughs> it's classic evil villain. Oh, I'm going to leave you the easily escapable thing. And I'm going to turn my head and shut the door. So I don't watch you. <laughs> So you can escape. Right. And yeah, no, exactly. Like Batman and Robin, when they're captured on the 1966 show by the villains, they're always left in alone <laughs> in some situation. Yes. <laughs> so God forbid you'd watch them be devoured by the piranha or whatever. It was always a situation which, which was timed, but made it possible for them to escape. And then again, in at least... Well, it has become, in The Incredibles, they make reference to the tried and true, the villain monologues, while the, <laughs> yeah, the, the good guy, his monologuing gives the good guy time to escape from his handcuffs or whatever. And <laughs> once again, we're willing to accept this because it, it is an accepted form of storytelling and entertainment in anything that is a good versus evil piece and star wars boy is the the, the biggest ultimate. good versus evil piece yeah it really is kind of the ultimate because of so how how well developed the lore behind the good and the evil is i mean i remember when they the first time i saw it when luke is barreling towards the death star port and he's having problems evading, and he hears, use the force, Luke, in his head. Mm. And I just I just absolutely love that. And everybody, hey, guys, I know you feel strongly about Obi-Wan, but you, you got to keep it down. Yes, that, thank you. Thank you. If only they I could, could hear you. I could do you, Donald, Donald, Duck and a, Donald Duck and a dog. There you go. The limits of I'm very name. impressed, Greg. You have a future in voiceover. <laughs> 
So for anybody out there who's listening, who is looking to cast a, an animated series role, I, I, do, I recommend I Greg to you. Unusual voices. Yes, I can do. I can do this, <laughs> this voice. Uh, <laughs> like, uh, I've never heard you sound like that, dude. No, you've never oh heard my this. God. Oh, this, is my, this is my voice that I can do. It's the, the only falsetto voice I can do. I could do a whole oh character like this. Oh, my God. Yes, I could. Yeah, I could yeah, be, yeah. I don't know. You, you sound be, like. A, what? what? What do I sound like? You sound like Mickey Mouse strung out on meth. A little Mickey bit. Mouse on There's meth. a little. Oh, yeah. I've been Ooh. to New Mexico. I've been to those those trailers in the desert. Oh, yeah. <laughs> God, God help me. Oh, baby. <laughs> I. I, I really wasn't expecting this out of you, Greg. I, I, and by the way, you you mentioned to yeah. me, and I didn't get a chance to reply to you. You texted me that you have been in George Lucas's uh, offices uh, or Lucasfilm's offices. Yeah, I have. I've been to the Presidio and, and Lucasfilm's office. So yes, there. I was up there a few years ago. Actually, a couple different times at the offices. So. I, I imagine the offices are like adorned with all kinds of images and things. Oh yeah, the they Star have Star Wars universe. Yeah, they have. Yeah, there's R there's R two D two and there's a Darth Vader full Darth Vader outfit and a number of kind of stormtroopers and they have all the models and stuff too of the of the spaceships and I think a lot of them are actual real the real original filming models that are in this office and stuff. So. I love that. That 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 would be cool to see. They're 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 highly detailed, and now you can buy them in Lego kits for like five hundred dollars a piece. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you could have before you had to buy about twenty five or thirty or forty MPC model kits and build it yourself, just gluing on all the things and. <laughs> Listen, if you think it's easy to put together the Lego Millennium Falcon, I'm telling no. you, dude. No, no, no. I, don't, I don't think no. so. I don't think so. No. no, my eyes and my hands are no longer really good at that kind of slow, <laughs> uh, small motor coordination. I, I would need assistance to do that. So now that I sound like I don't have any arms, I where do we think Obi-Wan was going? I don't know. Obviously, they 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 did some pointed references to a third sister, at least knowing that, that something about a child or another child on, on Tatooine and Bail Organa. But the question is, does she know that the, I don't think that she knows that this is Anakin's child. I just think she, she says, you know, that, that there's a boy who's important to Obi-Wan and Bail yes. Organa. Yes. Yeah. Uh, on Tatooine. And so, think, and so there's going to be a showdown on Tatooine for sure, and somehow I think she needs to be, she needs to be silenced or killed or something needs to happen to her. I don't know. It, it's maybe Darth ends up killing her. I, something's going to happen along the lines because she doesn't. She doesn't I, I, show we, up. And you already any of the saw other Darth stuff. kill her, and she's fine, dude. Yeah, but he walked away from her and writhing on the ground. He didn't cut her head off or or or. Yeah, any of those things. So, right, uh, tired yeah, we of all the thought, platform that yeah. was lowering into a vat of acid. Yeah, yeah, and then walk away. We all we all saw what's his name, the Grand Inquisitor, get sliced through the stomach. Uh, oh, yeah, and he he's alive. He, he came back fine. He was fine. Yeah, 
Apparently, these Bacta tanks, I really need to get one because they're just amazing. Yeah, I, mm. I, I think you need to you need to install one in your new house. And so when I see you this summer, we can maybe it'll take care of a couple of moles. I, I would I would really like that. Anybody who could make a Bacta tank, please get yeah. in touch. Yeah. You know, come to yeah. our website, drop us a line, drop us a mm-hmm. comment. We we would we would love that. I would hang out in a back to tank if it got rid of scars on my forehead, that kind of thing. Yeah. From years of dueling. I, I don't want to go into detail. <laughs> yeah. But anyway. I don't well, I don't know I'm where. So where do you think it where do you think it's gonna go? Well, somebody said to me, we were talking about it and said, so I expect after the sixth episode that that'll be the end of the series. And the next thing is episode four of Star Wars. And I was like, dude, are you out of your mind? Are they really going to just just throw away the entire story of Obi-Wan during these many years that he, before he becomes an, an old man, really? And now that is a vo- is a name I have not heard for some time. I mean, it's yeah. a long way from where we are to that moment when Luke finds mm-hmm. old Ben Kenobi right. living in in retreat on Tatooine. So and, and, and uh, Luke, I expect there's many more. Oh yeah. yeah the, now I don't know if you noticed the 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 toy that the toy ever I forget what kind of fighter it is that Obi Wan leaves for Luke and then Owen or whatever X wing. Yeah, the X wing or it wasn't an X wing. I don't think it's a try it's got y wing t wing l wing i don't know i don't know what it was called but anyway he he leaves it and then he gives them back to him kind of broken or whatever and he says just a toy well that that's the same toy model he has in episode four when at the oh, beginning yeah. of episode four when when he finds the the he's back to the, his house and r2d2 is there with c3po he he's playing with that that same that toy that that model well that that's a great detail i mean i really like that they did that but and luke and luke obviously luke obviously knows obi-wan in episode four he knows oh it's ben kenobi he knows who he is so there's got to be encounters of ben with with luke at certain points because he knows who he is right and i i suppose they have to do this in such a way so that Leia doesn't know maybe even that Luke exists even right. at the end of the episode that kind of thing but my, my the question in my head is what is the cliffhanger that they're going to use to end this season and right. I think that it is going to involve the young Luke who we've seen just peripherally once mm-hmm. in the first episode I don't know whether they'll make off with Luke or obviously, obviously, Owen has to and, and, and his wife have to survive because they're in episode four. So uh, I, I just can't I, for, I can't think of Luke's uncle and aunt without thinking of how wonderfully they come come off in in episode four, <laughs> especially when the, the Jawas show up with the droids and they decide to. Owen says, yeah, we'll, we'll take this one. And then the droid goes about five feet and like, and breaks, 
yeah, a, a shower of sparks emits from it. And Owen says, hey, what are you trying to pull? <laughs> I love that. You know? Yeah, exactly. I love that. I, I oh, did. Now, I, oh, speaking yeah. of that, I did, I did like I did like the Jawas come into Obi Wan in his little cave, and, and him like he's like, well, at least if you're going to try to resell parts that you stole from me, you could have cleaned them. And the Jawas yeah, like, uh, uh, cleaning's expensive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'd cost you more. And I no, I, I like I like the idea of the the Jawa character being kind of the junk trader in a way. Uh-huh. Uh, and they yeah. they are portrayed that way, obviously through the whole series that they they find all kinds of stuff and it's very and, very oh, consistent. The Apparently, the what the belt that oh they the belt the desert. yeah and I'm yeah assuming whose belt was that by the way? I I I think it was probably Obi Wan's. I'm gonna guess it was Obi Wan's. I'd have to go. You'd have to go back and look at pictures of of the end of episode three or something to see if he was wearing that type of a leather belt. No, that's kind of cool though. I like I like details like this, and of course, the more details like this that you have, the the more enjoyable it is for the really true Star Wars geeky nerd. Who knows every facet, every of every detail in the universe? So it, it does make it fun. I mean, it, it was it was exciting in the Mandalorian when Boba Fett suddenly shows up. I, I didn't mm-hmm. expect that. It was exciting in the Mandalorian to see Boba Fett's armor on somebody else. Yes. Uh, yeah. No, that was great and. By the way, one of my favorite characters who may or may not be alive, Timothy Oliphant, playing the sheriff of that town. Right. Perfect. Oh, I heard. I heard his, that he was alive. Yeah. That he was. He yeah. was. That or or they they implied that he was alive because they showed something. Him. Being I think that's right, by. and I I was I was relieved. He was in. Well, he his the back to tank was uh, yeah yeah was reserved for him. He was, in, he, was right. in, he was in what's his name Boba Fett's back yes to back to tank in 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 the Boba Fett series yes, and and I have to say nothing gave me more pleasure than seeing T- Timothy Oliphant playing a sheriff in the Star Wars universe after playing a sheriff in Deadwood, um, <laughs> so perfectly. It, I mean, it was just great. It was just very natural and clearly. Clearly an intended kind of continuity there. Yeah, and that's the kind of thing that makes watching these shows so much fun. I mean, look, despite all of the whining and complaining that I do about inconsistencies or problems with acting or motivation or details like the third sister being chopped up into a million pieces and still being alive, okay, well, maybe I'm mischaracterizing it, but still... Overall, I, I'm enjoying the fact that they're doing this is just so great. There was nothing like this. When we watched the original three Star Wars movies, that was it. That's all she wrote. And mm-hmm. I never imagined that we'd see any more of it. And then when the first three episodes came out, I was disappointed in the quality and the last three episodes I didn't enjoy as much as I wanted to as well. But when the Mandalorian came out, I thought Mm -hmm. that was one of the best star Wars stories that I had ever seen. And 
one of the episodes had the best Star Wars action I'd ever seen since then. And the episode where they have to go into an Empire base while Mandalorian's ship is being serviced. Mm -hmm. I just thought that was from start to finish one of the best things that they'd ever done. So it's just really great that, I mean, John Favreau deserves huge kudos. And, and I know it's not just John Favreau. Yeah, Dave uh, Filoni. Yeah, Dave Filoni deserves incredible, incredible and, respect and gratitude for being able to bring this world back to life so beautifully. You were talking about that episode from The Mandalorian where they're on the Empire's base. And I don't know if you had caught that, but your your buddy that's the, the comedian that played the one character. Yeah, he says, yeah, he, he says something to one of the uh, the Empire guys. He says something about TPS reports. I don't know if you ever caught that. Did you no. ever see the movie? What, what did, you ever see, did you ever see the movie Office Space? Yeah. Oh the no. TPS no. reports. It's so, a reference yeah. to Office Space. Get yes, out of here. Yes, he has a reference to Office Space in in the in the Mandalorian. Yeah. I I can't tell you how much I love that. And I, I I don't know it. if I don't know if Bill Burr improvised that or whether it was written into the script, but either way, it was terrific. I, and I want to see that character again. I'm sure we will, because after all, he he turned into a really good kind of mercenary, surprisingly, mm -hmm. in the the late episodes of the man. And they didn't kill him off like like they didn't kill they didn't kill off Frecker, the truck driver guy. They he just knocked him over the head. He didn't shoot him or hit him with his his lightsaber at all. You, so. you, you think we're going to see Freck again? I don't know, but they they didn't kill him. I, I do know that that they didn't That's kill true. him. So because they didn't kill him, he could come back. I would love to see him on Tatooine just kind of idly hanging out. Uh, he's got a new truck he's, driver he's still, job. He's and... clearly sympathetic to the, to the Empire. Mm -hmm. And by the way, I'm just that they destroyed the cantina on Tatooine in Boba Fett just totally, totally annoyed me. I was like, no, it was so great to revisit. But there you yeah, go. Yeah, new owners, they can rebuild, they can, you know. Yeah, yeah. Recreate. Yes, yes. But, I mean, <sighs> well, I, I don't think Jennifer Beals is going to be, she's not coming back as the owner of, of the bar, no matter what. No. No. But anyway, I, I guess I, I don't think that. I think we've had a fairly exhaustive discussion of this. I'm, yes, I'm sure that there are people who are exhausted. I'm I'm not exhausted quite yet, but oh, I'm no. getting there. We're good. We're uh, we'll we'll do a little little editing. So all you people listening, yes. just imagine all the things that we took out of this. <laughs> but um, oh yeah, yeah, we took we took that whole segment out that we talked about the thing that that we and then. And then the whole bit where, yeah, it's all gone. So you won't be able to listen to it. Yeah, no, we, no. I mean, oh, the, the inside knowledge that you have of George Lucas and his empire that uh, really you should never have told me because of your days. <laughs> we're just going to have to cut that out. Although those were very startling revelations, mm -hmm. I have to say. Yeah, sure. no. And now I have to have part of my mind erased. It's terrible. It's a terrible thing. Oh, yeah, mine is a terrible thing. 
So, well, I want to say thank you, Tom, as always. This is an exciting podcast and we're going to work on getting some guests because I do think, I do think when we have our guests, I think sometimes people are a little bit more excited that we have somebody else talking besides us. Uh, So we'll definitely work on that. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, we've got to, well, if I can get John Stanisi to finally drop all the 8 million things that he's doing and join up with us, that would be nice. I think Uh, that needs to happen because that'll... That will open us up to a bit more comic book slash animation stuff where we can talk to a few other people. It adds a little street cred to our podcast. So Yeah, and John and Jeremy, they boy do they know the comic world and, and the trends associated with it. There's all kinds of stuff going on there. And that's partly why it's it's hard to nail John down is you know, he's got something going on every day. And having said that, well, strangely, John and Jeremy are the two lead characters in Wedding Crashers, but not the same people that we're planning wow. on interviewing. Just thought I'd say so. Yeah. That, yeah it's, <clears throat> I have not seen Wedding Crashers in a long, long time, so I don't quite remember. So, but Oh, I, I, I never remembered their names. I mean, there are certain scenes that I'll never forget, uh, <laughs> but... The names of the characters, not so much. Still good. Well, I suppose we should say goodbye then to yes, our Yes, we should say goodbye. Thank, Thank you, you so much for, for tuning listening. in. You've been listening to Movie Reviews and Some Serious Nonsense with Tom Burka and Craig Dyro. We love to talk about movies and speak with the creators of some of your favorite forms of entertainment. If you have a great idea for an interview... We would love to hear about your idea. If you have a favorite movie or a streaming show, real or not yet imagined, we'd love to hear about it. So please leave us a message on our website.